Thank you, Jim. Good morning. If you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to turn to the book of Genesis as we continue to preach through the book of Genesis. So one of the central chapters in the entire Bible, Genesis chapter 12 and God's calling of Abram. I appreciate Jim leading us through corporate prayer. I remember in seminary, a professor of mine said that there, he knew of a pastor who had a, a young boy at his church that came to church one day with a stopwatch. And uh, he said, what's the stopwatch for? He said, I just wanted to time how much time the people of God spend in their worship service praying and reading scripture. And uh, usually it came to about one or two minutes in an entire worship service. When as we read the New Testament, so much of corporate worship was spent in prayer and reading scripture together. And uh, we're putting an emphasis on that. And I appreciate Jim leading us today. Um, Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 9. And I'm just going to read verses 1 through 3 as we begin this morning. Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be Blessed. Today we look at Abram's obedience to God's call. Abram's obedience to God's call. Would you pray with me as we prepare our hearts to hear God's word? Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would speak through the power of your Holy Spirit to your people and increase their faith. Call us all to repentance and increased faith in the Lord Jesus. Show us what it means to walk by faith and not by sight and help us as we seek to not only be hearers of your word, but to be doers as well. Conform us into the image of Christ. And may this sermon not be with wise and persuasive words. But may it be with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that our faith this morning will not rest in the wisdom of a man, but in the power of God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you a question this morning. It's a question that I've had to ask myself as I've looked at this passage. What is the hardest thing... That you've ever been asked to do by faith? When is the last time that you had to do a hard thing? A hard thing where you had to trust in the Lord and you couldn't see the outcome. Has following Jesus ever forced you to trust and obey God without a clear view of the future? If so, then that last song that we sang was sweet to you. Great is thy faithfulness, right? Well, the story of Abram in Genesis 12 is a paradigm. It is the picture in the Bible of what it means and what it looks like to live by faith in obedience to God. We see in Abram a faith that left everything and obeyed the word of the Lord, and it portrays a believer who proclaimed his faith. Abram not only shows his faith, but he shares his faith. And when I was at Beeson Divinity School, um, my preaching professor said, uh, this is just a good lesson for how we interpret the Old Testament, that characters in the Old Testament are never meant to be models for morality, 
but rather mirrors for identity. What that means is when you look at someone in the Old Testament, you don't, we don't want to just model their life and everything that they did. Abram's a good picture of what it means to live by faith, but we don't want to be just like Abram because later he's going to lie to Pharaoh about his relationship with his wife. So he's, he's not a perfect individual, so he's not a model for morality, but he's a mirror for identity. We look at the life of Abram and we find ways that we can identify with his struggle of faith. And so the promises that God makes to Abram in Genesis chapter 12 and the life that Abram lives by faith is going to be a picture for us. It's going to show us what it's like to trust God when you don't have all the answers. When you can't see where God is leading you, but you have to trust him anyways. The promise to to Abram in Genesis 12 is going to have national implications for Israel and global implications for all nations. All right. And so let's look at this passage. Verses one to three is where we start. And the very first thing we see here about living by faith is that God calls people to leave everything and receive his blessings. That's the first main idea of this chapter in Genesis 12 is that God calls people to leave all to receive his blessings. If you look at this passage from Genesis 12, 1 to 9, there's a pattern. God speaks and Abram acts. Always. God is the one who is speaking. Abram is the one who is Doing all of the action. God speaks a word to a pagan. Mitch preached on this last week. That Abram came from a pagan family. A a family of moon worshippers. And God calls Abram with his voice. With a word. And he invites him to enjoy God's blessings. He says, Abram, I'm going to bless you. And Abram hears God's word and responds to God's word. And yet the promised blessings are dependent on Abram's obedient faith. So I want you to look here. Verse 1, the very first word to Abram is go. That word go just should take you to Matthew chapter 28 when Jesus calls us to go into all nations. It's been said that Genesis chapter 12 is kind of like the great commission chapter of the Old Testament. It is God calling his people for the sake of his own glory. God is creating a people for himself to send into the world, to spread the knowledge of God from all nations to experience God's blessing. This is a missionary passage. And Abram is a missionary. And God is calling him to go. And in going, he's actually telling Abram to leave some things. What is he telling him to leave? Verse 1 says, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. The first thing that we see here in God's calling to leave everything is that God's calling requires faith. That's the first sub point here that we see in verse 1, that God's calling requires faith. He tells him to leave three things. Leave your country, leave your kindred. And leave your father's house. He gets, he goes increasingly from big to small. Leave your country. Leave the land in which you live, Abram. And then you're going to leave your kindred. But you're also going to leave your father's house. He is calling Abram to progressively leave 
everything that gives Abram his identity, his nation, his people, his family, in order to establish a new identity. To be a father of a new nation. To be to create God's people, the family of God. Does this not sound familiar to Jesus' call to discipleship? This is not just a calling for Abram, but it's a calling to every one of us who would rise up to follow Jesus. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples when he called people to follow him. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Just as Abram is told to leave family, this is what Jesus calls us to. Not necessarily to forsake the ones we love, but to to ask ourselves, where is your allegiance? And in our relationship with Christ, the relationship with Christ comes before even relationship with to family. And did you notice where God tells Abram that he's going? He says, I want you to go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. He doesn't tell him where he's going. You can just imagine having this conversation with my wife, Jenny. Uh, Jenny, uh, God's calling us to leave. We're leaving Rome and we're going to another land. Okay. Where are we going? I don't know. He didn't tell us. Okay, well, when are we going? Now. When are, how are we going to know when we get there? I don't know. He said he would tell us. You can just imagine how that conversation would go, right? This is, this is God calling Abram to step out on faith. This calling requires faith. Abram was told what he was to leave. Family, land, relatives. But he was told nothing about where he was going. And there's a principle here. For any of you who would seek to follow the Lord this morning. God rarely gives the details of what will happen beforehand when he calls us to obey. If he did give you all the details, then it wouldn't be faith, would it? It would just be, oh, I'm going to go to this land and he's going to bless me and everything. Great, let's go. But he doesn't tell him the details because God is calling Abram to trust him. Unfortunately, too often we hesitate out of fear. It's easy for us not to do anything because we're so fearful of God. I'll go as long as you give me the details. I'll be glad to obey you as long as you can ensure that my family will be safe, that will be protected, will be well provided for, will have a comfortable home and everything's going to work out in our favor. If you can promise me that, then I'll be glad to go. Who will go for us? Send me, Lord, I'll go. But he doesn't give us those details, does he? Spurgeon said this, Oh, that you would begin to take stock of your capacity or your incapacity and say this, I must get to work for the master. I am not to spend my whole life thinking about what I'm going to do. I must do the next thing and do it at once or I may be called home and my day will be over before I have sown a single handful of good seed. 
There are a lot of Christians who are waiting to obey the Lord because they're fearful of the future because God has not given them what the future is because God wants you to live by faith and trust Him. And we're so fearful of that that a lot of times people will waste their entire life and never do anything because they want the security of comfort. The evidence of Abram's faith was his obedience to the word of the Lord. God spoke and he heard and he listened and he obeyed. If he did not believe, he would not have obeyed and the promises of God would not have been fulfilled. This week I was preparing for this sermon. Monday I was at Swift and Finch. God's coffee shop. And I was there. and And I don't even like coffee. I just like to go there because it smells good. And I was reading and I was studying and I was I was praying and I said, Lord, would you give me something? What does it mean even for me to live by faith? And no joke, this happened. As soon as I prayed that, these two blind women walked into Swift and Finch. And they were led by one of their friends who opened the door for them and was leading them and telling them where to go. And she led them to the counter and they ordered their drinks. And they just so happened to come sit next to me on the couch. And they had this great conversation with each other. And 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 because they were blind, they were having to feel a little bit. The lady was, their friend was telling them, all right, here's your chair and here's the table. And they were feeling around and they got their drink. And once they got settled, they had this great conversation. And I'm watching this. And no joke, the very next thing that I read in the commentary that I was looking at was a quote by John Calvin, who was rephrasing God's words to Abram. And this is what Calvin said. Calvin said, this is essentially what God was saying to Abram. Now, keep in mind, I'm sitting next to these two lovely blind women and they're having this great conversation. This is the quote. Calvin quotes God as saying to Abram, I command you to go forth with closed eyes and forbid you to inquire where I am about to lead you until having renounced your country, you will have given yourself entirely to me. And I realized to follow God and to hear his voice and to obey is very similar to walking into a coffee shop As a blind person being led by the voice of another. They were entirely dependent upon their friend to lead them and trust them. And all they had to lean on was her word. And the only thing you have as you follow the Lord for his assurance is his word. And we trust him. And when he calls you to follow him, he calls you... To to trust in His Word and you cannot see the future, but He can. And your trust has to be in Him. And so, God's calling requires faith. He calls Abram to go to a land I will show you and I'll tell you when you get there. There's a second thing we see. Not only does God's calling require faith, but obedience to God's call brings blessings. Obedience to God's call brings blessings. Look at verses 2 and 3. He tells Abram, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse two, God promises to Abram, I will make of you a great nation. Now, here's I want you to see a parallel 
between what God is going to do in the Old Testament through Abram and in the New Testament through Christ through the church. So let's start with Abram. Here's the picture. God says, I'm going to establish a new people from all the peoples of the earth. Keep in mind what just happened in Genesis 11. Tower of Babel, right? You have the people trying to make a great name for themselves apart from God. And now God is going to make a great name for Abram apart from the peoples of the earth. And God promises Abram a few things. Fame and fertility. I'm going to make your name great and you're going to be a great nation. People are going to know your name and you're going to have lots of children. Your descendants are going to fill the earth. In Genesis 15, he's going to say, it's going to, you won't even be able to count your descendants. It'll be like the stars in the sky. And God's blessing counteracts the problem, which in Genesis 11 we find is that Sarah is barren. She can't have children. And God says, I'm going to bless you and make you into a great nation. Not only does he guarantee fame and fertility, but he also promises land. He says, I'm going to give you a land. And yet, God's promises to Abram are more than just physical blessing. Abram was going to be responsible for opening the blessing of the Lord to the families of the earth. In you, Abram, all the families of the earth will be blessed. In other words, Abram was to share the knowledge of God with the nations. And so get this, Abram's blessings could never be disconnected from his covenant relationship with the Lord. You don't get the blessings if you're not trusting in Him and walking by faith. You don't get these blessings unless you're with me, Abram. Now let's come to the New Testament. I want you to see the parallel here. In the New Testament, we see the same thing. That God is continuing to create a new people for Himself. The church. Who are the true spiritual descendants from Abraham. Who Romans 4 and Genesis 3 teaches that we are righteous like Abram by our faith. The faith which Abraham had. And this people that God is creating is not one nation. But people from every nation. Who are also called to go into the world as God's ambassadors Spreading the good news of Jesus Christ so that those who reject that message would be cursed and those who receive that message would be blessed. And we would receive the blessings, spiritual blessings of forgiveness of sins, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and eternal life. And just like Abraham, your spiritual blessings can never be separated from your relationship with the Lord Jesus. If you are separated from Him, there is no blessing. There is nothing but curse. This is why Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. And so blessing comes from obedience. He says, Abram, when you go and when you obey, I will bless you. But why? For what purpose? I want you to look back at verse 2. He says, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that. Why? So that you will be a blessing. This is the practical point here, that you and I have been blessed to be a blessing. 
the blessings that you enjoy in your relationship with Christ are never meant to be selfishly enjoyed and not shared with other people. The blessing that God gives His children should overflow into the lives of other people as we seek to be a blessing. How many of you would say this morning that you have been blessed? Most of you. Good, right? You've been blessed. If you've been blessed, can I just encourage you to be a blessing to others? Seek for opportunities to bless others. Seek for opportunities to share with others. We get to share the blessing of salvation with others because we ourselves have been blessed by the gospel. So if you have been blessed and you have, seek to be a blessing. Verse 2 gives us the personal blessings to Abram. He says, you're going to be a great nation and I'm going to bless you. But verse 3 gives the global blessings that will be offered to the nations through Abram. Look at verse 3. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The point here is that no one would find divine blessing apart from the blessings given through Abraham. Through his seed. If you're going to find blessings from God. It will come through Abram's line. Specifically through Christ. So the first thing that we've seen this morning. Verses 1 to 3. Is that God calls people to leave everything. To follow him and receive his blessing. Let's take it a little bit further. In verses 4 through 6. The second point this morning is that. Whoever believes God's word. Will follow him obediently. Let me say that again. Whoever believes God's word will follow him obediently. Let's look at verses 4 through 6. Let's see what Abram's response is to this message of go. Verse 4, I love this. So Abram went. He went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. All right, so let's take this bit by bit and see what we can see here. Whoever believes God's word will obey him and follow him obediently. Here's the first thing we see here in verses 4 to 5. Real simple. Faith obeys. It's the nature of faith. Faith obeys. So don't deceive yourself into thinking that you can follow Jesus in believing in him and not also obey him in what he says. Don't be deceived. Faith always obeys. And if it doesn't obey, then it's not faith. I love verse 4. It says, so Abram went as the Lord told him. This is simple faith here. Faith expresses itself in obedience. And can we just make this statement too? That you can never expect to receive God's blessing while we're living in disobedience. Hebrews 11 verse 8 speaks to this. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. 
can we just make the point here that this is not natural migration? This isn't Abraham getting transferred because of a new job. It's not just natural occurrence. Abram was responding in obedience to God's word. Abram went as the Lord told him. And let's not trivialize this faith of Abram. It's easy to look at this and and say, well, this is what it's like to live day by day, just trusting in the Lord. This is not day to day faith. Okay, let's not trivialize the fact that this was life altering, life changing, big decision faith by Abram. This was a huge act for him that would forever alter the course of Abram's life and his descendants. And that's why we're given this little extra detail. Did you notice it in verse four? How old was Abram when he left? 75. My goodness. I don't know if you've ever had to have an estate sale for your grandparents, but you can accumulate a lot of stuff in 75 years, right? That's a big move. 75 years old. And can I just make this point? I read this and I thought, need to hear this. Age is no excuse for disobedience. He's 75. Five years old. And by the way, you're never too old to do the will of God. And can I just say this? You're never too young to do the will of God either. Age is never an obstacle for God. I'm going to call you at 75, Abram. And by the way, you're going to have a son. Don't despise your old age and don't despair over missed opportunities in your youth. For some of you, your most fruitful days may still be ahead. The truth is, Abram lived another hundred years. God bless him, right? He went from 75 and died at 175. And so I want to say this, for those of you that may be in retirement or maybe approaching retirement, this is a great quote that John Piper said. Finishing life to the glory of Christ means finishing life in a way that makes Christ look glorious. It means living and dying in a way that shows Christ to be the all-satisfying treasure that He is. And Abraham was far from finished. He still had a hundred years to go in serving the Lord. I love what Psalm 71 says. Oh God, from my youth you have taught me. And I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs. Oh God, do not forsake me. Until I proclaim your might to another generation. And your power to all those who are to come. That is exactly what Abram had been doing. He had been proclaiming the Lord's name to the next generation, even at the age of 75. Did you notice who Abram brought with him? Let's read it. Verse 4 says, Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old. Verse 5, And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered. Did you catch this next line? And he took the people that they had acquired in Haran. I don't need to ask this question. Who are these people? You might think that in the ancient times that he had acquired slaves. But the word in Hebrew used here is nephesh. It's the word for soul. It's the word for a person. If he wanted to say slaves, there's another word that he would have used for slaves. So it's not slaves. And we know it's not his children because he doesn't have any yet. 
Who are these people that he acquired in Haran? Most likely it's proselytes, it's converts. This implies that before he ever got to the promised land, he had already been sharing his faith in the Lord. I thought that was pretty cool. That even before he got to the promised land, he's proclaiming the name of the Lord and people had started to follow him. And Abram had already started to be a blessing. Can we just say this? That Abram and his offspring were to be a witness to the world. But Abram did not wait until he got to the place of blessing before he started to share God's blessings. Too often, especially us living in America, we want an easy life that does not require sacrifice. And comfort is far too appealing to us for us to take risks for the sake of the kingdom. And yet, the authentic life of faith for the Christian demands that we be pilgrims in this world. Sojourners. Abram had a clear vision of God's call for the future that had detached him from the world in which he lived, that enabled him at 75 years old to be able to pack everything up and trust the Lord and to go. And for those of us who walk by faith and realize this life is not your home, this world is not your home, and as great as this country is, the United States of America is not your promised land. As we understand that, it will detach God's people from grounding their lives too deeply in the present. Hebrews 11 goes on to say this about Abram in verse 9. By faith, Abram went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land. He went to the promised land and he still realized this is not my final home. He was living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with this, with him of the same promise. For Abram was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Even in the promised land, Abram never got too settled because he knew Canaan was never his final destination. And that idea is radical today because it challenges the dominant view in our culture which values settlement and security and comfort. And everything around us tells us to hunker down, save everything, protect yourselves, and acquire as much as you can for yourselves and as many comforts as possible. While Scripture tells us in Colossians 3 to seek the things which are above where Christ is. Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. And here's another thing. When you obey, obedience to God will not lead you to comfort. It will actually lead you to opposition. Did you notice what verse 6 says? Look at verse 6. Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem. And what does he see standing there? To the oak of Moreh. The tree of Moreh. Moreh in Hebrew means teacher. This was a terebinth tree. It was a tree where the Canaanite priests would gather and the Canaanites would have their assemblies and they would gather and the the Canaanite priests would spout false doctrine and false teaching. This is where the Canaanite worship services took place. Abram walks into Shechem, the very central location of the promised land. And what does he find? He finds the stump where people stand up to preach false Canaanite theology. And not only that, we're told at the end of verse 6 that at that time the Canaanites were in the land. This is the obstacle, right? God says, I'm going to give you this land. And when he gets there, guess what? The Canaanites are there. Now you know 
from reading the book of Genesis in the Old Testament that the Canaanites were the perpetual enemy of God's people. And even back in Noah, when we read Noah, Noah had already cursed Canaan. The Canaanites were going to be a source of ongoing opposition for his descendants, for Abram and his descendants as they lived in Canaan. Which teaches us if you're going to seek God's blessing and follow the Lord, we must expect opposition. There's a third point here. We've seen that God calls his people to leave everything to follow and receive his blessings. Secondly, that those who 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 believe God will also obey him by faith. Third point from verse seven is that God confirms his promises to the faithful. We're going to look at this very quickly. Verse seven. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, remember, the first time that God appeared to Abram, he spoke to him. But this time he actually appears to Abram. And God appears to Abram while he's in Canaan. He sees the Oak of Moray. He sees the Canaanites living in the land. And you know he has to be doubting, saying, God, how in the world am I going to get this land? How are you going to give me this land while the Canaanites still live there? And so God confirms his promises to him to reward Abram's faith. And he says, Abram, I will give you and your offspring this land. And that's enough for Abram to sustain his faith. There would be no earthly obstacle to stop God's purposes. Now, the question is, how do we understand this today? Does God still appear to his people to confirm promises? Can you expect God to show up this week in the flesh to confirm to you that he's going to keep his promises when you live by faith? It'd be nice, but probably not. He could, but probably not. How do we understand this passage? Instead of you hoping that God would show up in the flesh this week to show and confirm God's promises, I think we in the New Testament can look back 2,000 years and see that God has already shown up in the flesh to confirm His promises. That in the person of Jesus Christ, we have the secure Word of God, even in your own language, printed in a book for your own convenience. It has been confirmed in the written Word. It's been confirmed in the incarnate living Word. And it was Christ's resurrection that gives us all the confirmation we need that All of God's promises find their yes and amen in Jesus. So if you're doubting God's word and you're struggling to live by faith today, trust in the fact that God has confirmed his promises through the life, death and resurrection of his son in your place. The last thing that we see here in verses seven to nine. Is that God's obedient servants proclaim their faith through worship. God's obedient servants proclaim their faith through worship. Look at the end of verse 7. After God confirms these promises, it says Abram built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. It says in verse 7 that Abram built an altar and proclaimed the Lord's name. Martin Luther translated that passage as he preached. 
which I think is a good translation. Can you imagine? It says that he landed right in the middle between Bethel and Ai. Ai was that city that Joshua and his people would have to conquer as they went into the promised land. And Bethel in Hebrew means house of God. But for the Canaanites, they had a God named El. It was literally the house of El, the God that the Canaanites worshipped. He is surrounded by God's enemies. He is surrounded by idolaters. And right in the middle of that, while he's trying to trust in God's promises, Abram worships and he builds an altar. Can you imagine in a society and culture that's building big towers to make their names great, the only structures that are left behind from Abram's life are altars. His life is characterized by worship. And I would tell you this morning that worship is the proper response for God's people. As we look at how God has blessed us, his election of us, his calling, his commissioning to us, his blessing, all of the ways he has provided. Great is his faithfulness. When you look at everything God has provided for you, the only thing we should do in response is worship. Abram, his proclamation of God to the people flowed out of a heart that worshipped. And I love what verse 9 says. Even though he had not received the promises yet, that last, that phrase right there in verse 9, and Abram journeyed on. Could I just encourage you this morning to journey on? As you walk by faith and trust in the Lord in communion with God's people, every one of you, I want to come back to that question I asked you before. What is God asking you to do that is difficult, that you can't see the end, but you know He's calling you to trust by faith? Could I just suggest that maybe the way that you live by faith is to worship your way through it? Perhaps your lack of faith in the Lord comes from a lack of worship. I would actually say that a a heart that refuses to worship the Lord is a heart that will refuse to obey God when he calls you to go. And so as we prepare our hearts to sing and as we've been thinking about God's faithfulness, if you're struggling to obey the Lord, Could I just encourage you to sing your way out of it? Sing your way out of the funk. Sing your way as your heart begins to exult in God and you begin to think about God's blessings and all that He has given you and blessed you in Christ. That might lift your eyes to see God in a different light and it'll increase your faith and help you to trust. Maybe there's somebody here this morning, we don't do this a lot. I'm having to hear the Lord right now. We don't do this hardly ever. But there might be somebody here that God's calling you to do something difficult and you're having a hard time trusting the Lord. And maybe you need prayer. We, we don't call people to the front at this church, but we're going to do something different this morning. As, as the guys are singing, and I know this might be different, and it's okay. Thank you. We're going to have just some of our pastors here. I'm going to ask some of you guys just to make yourself available. Not not right here, just all to the side. And if you need prayer this morning because you feel like God's calling you to do something hard and you need prayer. God calls us in the church to pray for one another. I want to make ourselves available. So I'll be here. 
And then, look, nobody's going to think less or more of you. Just maybe you need prayer and we just need to acknowledge that. So while we're singing as part of our worship, I'm going to encourage you to, to stand and sing. But if you need prayer, I don't want to neglect that. OK, so Pastor Justin, Pastor Jim, and I'll be here. And anyone else that wants to come and pray for somebody, I want to make that available. All right. Because somebody might need prayer because God's calling you to do something hard. All right. Let me pray for us. As you stand, we're going to prepare our hearts to sing. Everybody go ahead and stand as the band comes. We're going to sing to the Lord this morning as God's calling us to be a blessing to the nations. As we have a team in Croatia that's ministering to our global partners, God is using this church to do great things among the nations. And we want to continue to pray in that end. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would use us just as you used Abram. As you have called us out from the nations to set us apart, to be your people. To be ambassadors to the globe. To, to, to be a blessing to the nations. Would you empower your people and rise up more people to go? Father, give us ears to hear your commission today to go. Even though you may not tell us exactly where that is right now. Help us to trust by faith. Father, help us to minister to one another this morning as we pray. And Father, help us to worship. Help us to be a worshiping people as we seek to live by faith. Father, without faith, it is impossible to please you. So give us faith that we need and increase our faith. Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. Help us, Lord, as we sing, as we pray, and as we worship together as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing.